We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-owner of Road of His, co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast, and of course, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast as well. Sean, we have just finished up week eight of the NFL season, we will talk through it in a little bit uh, in a moment, but it was kind of a a strange week relatively low scoring some of the the big stars maybe not putting up uh, big numbers some of them putting up very low scoring weeks and then kind of some guys coming from kind of out of nowhere even i guess we could say to have, have monster weeks. so a very interesting slate of games and uh, for us in particular with a lot of our teams we talked about it just shortly before we started recording monday night football became a, a major deciding factor in a number of those games that were going down to the wire some of them we had Tyreek Hill facing off against Travis Kelsey we had Kelsey on a few lineups as well so it was uh you know a lot of a lot of interest in the the Monday night football game but uh thankfully in the the main event and and some of our other kind of higher stakes leagues um Tyreek Hill had a big night and uh, that put us into pretty good uh, positions but overall I thought it was quite a an intra, kind of a unique uh, week. Maybe might be a word for it. Did you find it a little bit uh, kind of? It felt like an outlier. It just didn't. It, there was something about it that felt a little bit strange. It was odd, right? And maybe it was Halloween. Maybe <laughs> yeah. There there are plenty of opportunities to score points, especially if you had the right running backs on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, a little bit of a down week in some ways. At some points, DeAndre Swift not being able to come through in garbage time this week. And obviously we have a lot of exposure to him. Also a decent amount of exposure uh, in the end to the Dolphins pieces and the Bills were able to shut them down a little bit more this past week. Didn't get those. Also, Jamar Chase have 
have a lot of chase and the early drop touchdown from him sort of short-circuited the potential continuation of his hot stretch and, and took some points away from Joe Burrow. Uh, and you could argue contributed to them eventually losing in the big upset there. That was one of the most noteworthy games of week eight. You mentioned Monday Night Football. It's always fun to have the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. It would have been more fun to have a high-profile opponent, although uh, at this point, uh, the Giants were really all the Chiefs could handle as they played poorly again. But Colin, you mentioned it. We had Tyreek Hill versus Travis Kelsey. You have the first round picks going head to head for the victory. Uh, you and I had a team that was in a virtual dead heat with the Kelsey manager going into the game, Ben Gretsch and I, and on our best team, we were down two points with a Hill versus Kelsey going into the game there. Both of those worked out, even though it was an odd game for Hill. He has 12 receptions gains less than 100 yards does score that touchdown Looked pretty good at times the really big potential play uh, where he was beyond the defense for you know that 70-ish yard touchdown uh, Mahomes doesn't hit it there which is something that they have done in the past but Mahomes really struggled again in this game you could tell he was trying to not be so crazy and you know that didn't really work either right they still had the sort of weird interception uh travis kelsey who i mean this is the worst we talked about last week it was the worst game we've ever seen patrick mahomes play this is probably the worst game that travis kelsey has played since his rookie season right he was having a hard time getting off the jam quit on some routes has the big fumble you know drops a pass can't get open uh showing visible frustration there and so good that the chiefs still obviously have Tyreek Hill, when you have the dual stars, even if you don't have a lot of depth behind them, then you're able to have the one guy pull you through. It's interesting here because Tyreek Hill was actually out on a ton of plays in this game, but when he was on the field, he was definitely the read. And so they went to him over and over. A decent game from McCole Hardman. It was interesting and a little bit frustrating. The Chiefs continue to get a lot of holding and pass interference penalties, including on a lot of things that are let go in a lot of situations. And so you wonder if their reputation as a team that holds in the secondary is really uh, coming back to bite him at this point and causing even more penalties than you would normally get. Uh, Hardman was asking for a very similar penalty after a Chiefs had been called for sort of holding a guy down in the secondary, and he ends up even making the play over Daniel Sorensen. And then uh, the defensive back just simply sits on Hardman's shoulders and uses him to launch himself up. The officials thought that one was all right. Of course, Chiefs fans can't be too frustrated at any of the penalties. They get the phantom face mask on Travis Kelsey. And you can understand how the officials saw that. I mean, it did look like a face mask live, but that play really hurt the Giants down the stretch of this game. So I think a good fight from the Giants. They were coming off of that big victory over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, didn't have Saquon Barkley. as frustrating. You know, if you've been rostering him and are waiting for him to come back because Devontae Booker, you know, despite the big gap in talent there, was able to more or less run wild against that. Uh, porous Chiefs defense, but an exciting game on my net football. If, if you had the right players, very frustrating for the Travis Kelsey teams. Kelsey's still having a good season overall, but he and Darren Waller are not separating the way that they did a season ago. And we had the big game from our guy, TJ Hawkinson, in this one. So while Swift was stuffed, it was good to see Hawkinson can handle the defensive attention column and is rising again. 10 receptions in this game and that by itself and tight end premium is a lot of points.
Yeah, it is. And the other player I was going to mention was Derek Gore. So um, when before last night, they're probably I wouldn't imagine he's rostered in, in too many leagues, but you know, looked pretty good. Um, as a Chiefs fan, was that something that was being expected? It comes back to the you know Edwards Lair thing again. Of maybe Edwards Lair just isn't good. Yeah, I, I had thought that I had even mentioned Gore in one of the zero RB columns, so I was going back to look for it before the show today and didn't necessarily see it. It may have been something I was just thinking to myself where he had uh, looked good in the preseason and the other guys are just struggling so badly. Williams, McKinnon, I mean, McKinnon, I, I don't think, obviously was the target on that interception last night. But he looked very confused. It was almost an A.J. Green kind of situation where you're like, I'm not sure why I'm on the field here. I don't think I should be responsible for anything that's going on. And so... Uh, yeah, it was great to see him. He was good in the preseason. He has a little bit more of that size athleticism profile that you want to see out of an NFL starter. I mean, and even an NFL backup, right? And we're, no one's saying that he's going to come in and solve all the problems for the Chiefs. But you look at what they have and you look at the fact that teams are asking them to run. And it's nice to have someone who can take what's there. I mean, even just that would be a big step up from some of the things we've got. Now, Edwards Allaire has a fine yards per carry average this season. He's been really good in terms of yards before contact, which, you know, often that's looked at as an offensive line stat. But when you're a smaller back like Edwards Allaire, you've got the quickness. I mean, you're expected to create those yards before contact because you're not going to be a guy who's elite in yards after contact. And we can see that all the time that he's not really a, a big threat there on short yardage. He's not a big threat around the goal. And so you need to do the things that you can do. He's been doing that. He's been taking those yards from a fantasy perspective. That's still not very valuable because you're talking about really low value touches. It's also something from a reality perspective where, you know, if the opposing teams are inviting the Chiefs to run, that's, you know, that's not what you want. And, you know, they're talking about on the telecast a little bit, people are saying the Chiefs need to run the ball more. It's like, I don't think you're going to solve any of the problems that the Kansas City Chiefs have by taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, right? I mean, that's not the solution. We saw in the game last night that they had a huge number of yards after the catch. Almost everything that they did, except for the missed long pass to Hill, uh, or some variation of wide receiver screens, you know, jet sweeps, that kind of thing. They run those plays well. You know, they're going to have a little more trouble running those plays against an elite defense. It's still a situation where with the secondary dropping back the way that they do against Kansas City, I mean, you need to be able to pass the ball across the line of scrimmage for you know eight to ten yards. It can't be everything either behind the line of scrimmage or you know, 50 yards. I mean, they just have to develop a little bit more of a passing game in that intermediate area. That's one of the things that they really rely on Kelsey for. And so for him to get shut down in the game last night, I mean, they're still struggling to get those types of plays. You can see the frustration. One of the things that's kind of funny is that you go in and you look and it's in the Monday review tool, a pretty cool tool that Matt Spencer and Dave Cabin have put together for the site. And you can see the NFL EPA numbers. And uh, coming into this game, Mahomes was still one of the top players in the NFL in terms of expected points added, right? And so, we know that he's had some turnovers. We know that they've had some fumbles. I mean, the fumbling stuff especially is really fluky. But, I mean, he's going to be good. The Chiefs are going to be good. One of the things that I mentioned in the Monday article is that I expect Darren Waller to take a step forward as we go through the rest of the season. Derek Carr has emerged, right, in 2021. The Raiders, even with the things that happened in John Gruden resigning, they look very, very good. And when you go through and you look at the strength of schedule streamer, you look at tight end, that's very favorable for the Raiders rest of season. And this is kind of fun from a reality perspective too, because we know that the Raiders path to winning the AFC West is going to go through Kansas City. They're going to probably need to win at least one of those two games. 
but it's kind of fun too because from a fantasy perspective we can see those two games as potential shootouts and so and i think the afc west has a chance to be just so much fun we saw the chargers lose this game to the patriots that kind of pulls them back to the pack knocks them down below the raiders but chargers raiders chiefs and then we saw you know a, a decent game from the broncos on sunday as well stopped their losing streak teddy bridgewater was frustrating i mean this offense has so many weapons and they just they don't move the ball they look bad right but you've got Cortland sutton you have jerry judy back now he didn't do a lot in his first game but it was good to see him out there they have no offense they have alberto they got the two running backs these four teams in the second half i think they're going to score a lot of points against each other and it should be a fun time it should be a lot of fun and you mentioned uh alberto again um seems to be if he's on the field uh fan seems to kind of become the invisible man a little bit but we'll see how that goes uh, the rest of the season you did mention the strength of schedule as well for the Raiders uh, if anyone does pull up the uh, tool on the site particularly around tight end strength of schedule uh Vegas are coming in on uh, the third overall so I think um you know Waller has been quiet and I know Kelsey has been technically for his expectations been a little bit quiet but I think both of these guys are into uh, a really strong position here over the last um I was about to say last couple of weeks of the season, but kind of the end part or the second half of the fantasy season and then the, the rest of the NFL season, but should be excited. We will look more at week eight and rest of season. We'll do that right after the break. NFL football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favourite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets. That is techpick.com slash rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We kind of touched on it, Sean, at the start of the show and how Monday Night Football decided some of our weeks, but I know I had a, I had a couple of listeners actually reach out <laughs> over the weekend to see how some of uh, the, the OT teams were doing. Uh, we had some of the listener leagues and we're starting to to perk up a little bit in those. We're starting to get a little bit closer to the, the top of the leaderboard there. Some of them, maybe not. So uh, the team, some... Colin, we had a team score 50 last week. I don't think that can be perking up. We'll put that into... I know you have written on the show sheet here a few hilariously bad teams. Uh, that would be one of those. Yes. So we do still have a team in second place. A few points in basketball is not a good score, just for anyone new to basketball format. <laughs> No, it's it's not a particularly good score. Uh, yeah, the listeners have really pushed us out on those. We do have one team doing well. Colin, I am excited because we are now heavily into the buys and some of these best ball teams in the non-listener leagues are really emerging. 25% of my FFPC best ball teams are now in second place, holding through nicely. The wide receiver depth is allowing them to score through the buys. Excited about these teams as they're looking forward. Obviously, one of the things, especially in the 18 roster spot format that you're looking for, is just for your guys to stay healthy. You know, you lose some guys uh, in that format. And the, and the one listener league we're actually doing okay in, where we're second, I think we have zero tight ends. And so that's the one where I'm like, I, I don't see how we actually are holding in that one because we basically get a zero from a spot every week. So we'll see how we do there. We've mentioned how Leonard Fournette um, has been the reason. I think that's going to end. I'm going to make a pitch in stealing bananas later today for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to bench him. I think that their loss to the Saints was heavily the result of their insistence on relying on a running back who should be a deep backup. But I, and as well, I guess it will put in that we're probably biased and that we're not big Leonard Fournette fans. Well, I mean, the bias comes into it, but but also, I mean, this was the opportunity to say, look, I mean, they put Gio in in this game and immediately score a passing touchdown to him, and then they go back to the guy who it takes. I mean, by the time that Leonard Fournette and AJ Green get done running your routes, I mean, you're into the next play already. Adrian Peterson is back in the NFL as well, Sean. <laughs> yes, I don't think they're going to be asking him to run a lot of routes, but uh, <laughs> we will see. He. By the time he hits the line, all the guys are going to be sitting on the ground just kind of being like, Adrian, come on. It's like we've already done the rest of the play. We're never going to get away from these veteran running backs because uh, our old buddy Mark Ingram is back uh, to, to stop Alvin Kamara again as well. He is. He is. So uh, that one, a fun one. What did you think of the Saints' performance in this one, Colin? I thought based on based on what happened with, obviously, Jameis and, and his injury, unfortunately, I thought they'd done absolutely as well as they could it wasn't a very exciting offensive performance but defensively they were pretty much fantastic they seem to the the way they can play on defense seems to really be something that does not agree well with tom brady and how he wants to play so 
Um, they have, I believe, beaten Brady in all three regular season games now that they faced them this year and last year. And um, obviously, I, I would imagine it's easier said than done, but some teams are going to try and match that, um, I would imagine, over the, the duration of the season. But um, a really strong overall performance. Those parts of it that would have reminded me of the Packers one over the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, some similarities where the, the defense was kind of the main catalyst for the win. But um, I thought overall it was a, a very strong, while not a fantasy exciting performance, unless you started the, the Saints defense, uh, it was a, a very strong performance overall. It was, and I, obviously they would give all of those regular season victories back for that playoff game, but they look good here. Trevor Simeon, an interesting kind of guy. The offense both perked up and became wildly inconsistent uh, once he was in the game. Jameis Winston has been absolutely awful this year, and uh, the fact that he's taking sacks and they're running the ball into the line instead of letting him play, and that's a step forward for him, again, just kind of emphasizes that he should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I I'm sort of excited to see where the Saints go with this. The unfortunate part is that Taysom, I'm just rooting so much for his health. We obviously have the unfortunate situation with Calvin Ridley this week that hopefully is not related to any sort of brain trauma, but we know these guys are going through a lot. And for Hill's situation, for him to have a couple of weeks trying to move through the concussion protocol is a worrying sign for him. If he does come back healthy, and we obviously hope that he does, then... I mean, I think the offense could be a little more exciting. This is almost a team that is perfect for what he does. And as long as they weren't going to be explosive anyway, and they weren't, then he would like to see what he can do. And so it'll be, I think, exciting to see where the Saints go. They played a great game against the Buccaneers. But we do need to give a little credit to your Green Bay Packers, right? They spring the upset without Devontae Adams. You could tell that they were struggling. This is one of those games where... Aaron Rodgers threw a ton of passes and ended up basically with no yards, but still was able to move the ball on occasion. And they were able to stop the Arizona Cardinals. It was interesting here because even though he did play and he did make a long catch down the sideline, uh, the Cardinals appeared to miss DeAndre Hopkins at least as much as the Packers missed Devontae Adams. Now Hopkins played, but was very limited. Wasn't out there a lot. We were hoping that we would get more, from Rondell Moore in this game he had a couple of decent plays but also contributed to a couple of the key turnovers that really swung the game in the Packers direction so when you consider those Rondell Moore mishaps and then the AJ Green uh, situation late those mistakes kept the Cardinals from winning a game like where they should have won right the Packers did a nice job to be in that situation but the Cardinals you know if they are going to get where they want to get if they're going to be there with the Buccaneers be there with the Saints be there with you know, whoever comes out of the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, having kind of a weird game against the Dolphins. But one of the things for Buffalo is their defense is playing so well now that they have two ways to win the game. They can win it with Josh Allen or they can win it with the defense. If the Cardinals want to be in that group, they're going to have to win games like that. And that's one of the reasons why. And, and you like to see it, I think. I mean, to a certain extent, when you have a 17-game season, you're in first place. All of these things are going well. You lose one game at the end and you're like, you know, why is Kyler Murray so frustrated? But He's so frustrated because he knows he has to win that game. He knows his team has to be able to win those types of games if they're going to be a Super Bowl champion, and that's clearly what he wants to be. Yeah, and if you look at, like, even just matching up from the division, so obviously the Saints, you know, beat the the Buccaneers this past week. Those divisional matchups can, you know, be very, very tough during the season. It looks like the Packers, while the Vikings are probably still, every division game is going to be tough. 
but over the course of the season the competition in the nfc north is going to be less that of what's in the west and you know you have the the rams then trading for von miller trying to stock up even further and then obviously the cardinals are in that division there's gonna be a lot of a lot of challenges where you know one or two losses and that division could all of a sudden have you in a wild card spot you know based on how things play out and that can make it a lot more challenging so it's going to be an interesting run in the nfc um based like the afc looks like pretty much anyone could probably make the playoffs at this point you know um what the extra teams that are going to be in there but the the top end of the nfc is going to be going to be very close the packers like you you made a good point there where while as good as the packers were and they did slip up at the end when they had those opportunities at the goal line to seed the game go 10 points up in the fourth quarter i do think the cardinals you know give this one up based on the home advantage all the opportunities that they had with the packers players missing the packers did get a little bit of luck with uh deandre hopkins re-injuring himself on that long pass that originally looked like it was a touchdown but then there was the face mask penalty um so that was a, a benefit obviously to them and you mentioned the turnovers but uh, my one disappointing part and there wasn't really much disappointment because the packers won but they got into that goal line situation a number of times it was heavily stacked you know to try and stop the the run but uh both aj dillon and Aaron jones ran really really well in this one they were the main kind of catalyst for the offense and they kind of went away from that at the goal line so i think in future games hopefully they they try and try and punch some of those in rather than than some of the plays and they also burned out a number of their timeouts early in that second half which led to them on that last drive taking a five-yard penalty for delay game because they had no timeout so there was a number of things to clean up but a really interesting game we'll see how the rest of the season is going to progress but the nfc is is hotting up at the top end well Colin, you mentioned you mentioned aj dillon there and it, it is interesting i think in terms of this being a guy that we're on and a guy that we're actually you know playing pretty consistently in some of our leagues where you know, obviously our teams are, are wide receiver heavy for Dylan to look that good and not get some of the high leverage touches is a little bit frustrating because that's something that he should be good at. And we know that running the ball down there by the goal line is a very effective way to do it. It's one of the reasons why when you look at some of the teams that believe in the analytics, it's one of the reasons why we made this bet on James Conner. I think that part of that was hoping that Conner would get more of just sort of the random touches to fill out with a couple more points of, you know, you say these are low value touches, you know, 20, 30 yards rushing. That's not a huge deal, but, you know, add those points on to what he's doing from a touchdown perspective, and he'd be a fantastic fantasy option this year, as opposed to somebody where every week you're like, I think he's going to get in, but man, if he doesn't, it's going to be a zero, right? And so I mean, you're looking at, at what the Cardinals do down there and how they're getting Connor scores every week. Some of the other teams, and Ben and I talked about it in the original Ceiling Bananas for this week, the Colts unwillingness to use Jonathan Taylor in some very obvious situations and making it harder on themselves. We would like to see some of these teams use the backs when it makes sense. Now, you know, it was frustrating all last year when we have DeAndre Hopkins and, and they're letting Kenyon Drake uh, run all these touchdowns. And so some of how you view the games is going to inevitably depend on who you need to score and, and what parts of the offense that you're rooting for. But especially in this one without Devonte Adams, it just didn't quite make sense. Some of the play call down there by the goal line is like, let AJ Dillon hit those guys and show what he can do with that size, power, speed combination. It was a good game for him and it was a good game for Aaron Jones. And so good, I think, for the Packers to know that they can run against a top level opponent. The Cardinals have been, you know, hot and cold, hit and miss, even, you know, game to game, even play to play, drive to drive on defense. They're a little more of a big play defense than a you know stop you cold type of defense but good to see the running backs be able to 
really drive the offense in a game where the opponent basically knows that's coming. Yeah, and uh, there was a couple of plays. There was a, a key fourth down that Dylan did. Like, you know, we, we started him in a number of leagues together. And he, for me as a runner, it was probably his best game since he entered the NFL. Looked really good, you know, in terms of uh, seeing a stat um, after the game that since he entered the NFL, he leads the NFL in yards after contact. Um, so obviously with players in the, like Derrick Henry and that in the NFL, and obviously Henry got injured this past week, but, um, you know, he... he is an, he's an impressive athlete and he looked really good this past week where he is getting kind of the carries from his 20 to their 20 which i would like to see him get some more of those goal line touches but where i think he could really uh benefit and value is you know some of the short passes out of the backfield because he has shown earlier this season that he um you know can work as a receiver as well so i think the offense is still evolving uh based on injuries is one key part of it but also based on um just as the season has gone along they haven't hit the heights of last year but it's starting to feel like they're pretty close to that potentially potentially happening here you know if they get adams back obviously they've missed mbs for quite a portion of the season david bakhtiari uh, the left tackle will be coming back in so there should be lots of things that'll help this offense improve so i still um have a lot of hope for dylan as the season moves on but yeah some of those goal line carries that connor's getting uh, i had envisioned dylan getting a couple of those as well but let's just hope connor keeps getting them as well that that seems to be to be working out our, our conversation with connor we'll just record it and we'll play it each and every week because he gets in the end zone and then chase edmonds looks like he's got shot out of a cannon so that's kind of how we're, we're talking about that backfield that that was the same this past week but uh, sean something i wanted to touch on just before i know you and ben did talk on stealing bananas after you uh, recorded on sunday night on the the recap for week eight but the refs i don't want to get into it because i think you and ben had a good conversation ben got a lot off his chest in that conversation i think but i was agreeing with every single thing he had to say there you mentioned um you know some of the some of the games some of the decisions the phantom calls like some of these taunting penalties are just incredible some of the rough in the passer penalties that are getting called are incredible it's got to the point now where like most of the time when you see the flag you're like well that's gonna be rough in the passer and then it's gonna show a replay and like sometimes there's absolutely no contact so it's just getting a little bit weird um with that point of emphasis it's probably going to be here to stay for the rest of the season but um the the maybe it's just like we always think this but the officiating this year seems to be at a level that it hasn't been at uh before and it's it's so hard right because we really do want to have player safety i mean you look at so many of these things and sorry sorry for interrupting but the one thing i was going to say was like for example some of the penalties we did see like i know you talked about the end of the 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 end of the the bengals against the jets that their particular call against the defensive player but then like when we see the situation in the pittsburgh steelers game where fair enough the player has become a runner he's out to the tackle box but on that fake uh field goal the hit on the boswell who is the the kicker for the steelers like i don't know how I, I think that gets called as a flag like in the, the 80s. I don't know how these plays then, you know, there, there's no no consistency to it. So sorry for interrupting. But yeah, we do want player safety, but we also want 15 yards and first downs for, for very little is also tricky. It, I mean, it's been a disaster. 
Right, because it does completely change the game. So I mean, you can't say it, it doesn't do justice to what the Jets did in that game to say, well, the Bengals are going to win if you make the correct call. But we do know that offenses, especially good offenses, when you have the ball late and you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, so you have to stop them four times. I mean, you're going to stop those guys that many times. I mean, you're really hoping that Joe Burrow makes some of the mistakes he made. You know, he's made throughout the season. I mean, guys, guys aren't perfect. You you have to hope for a mistake because. I mean, you're going to stop those guys when, you know, you have Boyd and Higgins and Chase with the team having the score. You know, even Joe Mixon looked pretty good this week. So, and it, that call is probably the worst call in NFL history. But there's, I mean, there. I have never been one of these people. I mean, one of the things that frustrates me when you watch a game is when the commentators are looking at a clear foul, a clear pass interference, when the, when the defensive back holds the wide receiver all the way down the field, right? I mean, just all the way down the field. And then he holds his arms so he can't go up and make a play on the ball. And, you know, the commentator's like, that's good. You know, let him play, let him play. And then the next play, they do that exact same thing. And the wide receiver, like, fights the arms off. Like, he's like, I got to get my arms up to, like, make a play on the ball. And he gets called for offensive pass interference. Like none of this is the way that it's supposed to be, right? I don't believe in letting them play. Enforce the rules, right? The rules are there to make the viewing experience and, I mean, to make the game fair, to make the viewing experience the best for the fans, all of these kinds of things. At the same time, this has been such a weird season because, like you're mentioning, there are so many times when you see the flag, right? You're like, I think it's 50-50 that there's a penalty there. It's like there have been so many penalties called, and it's the roughing the things. It's, I mean, one of the things that's so frustrating with these pass interference calls is that, I mean, every single play, you could call a pass interference or holding on somebody that they call on the Chiefs constantly. I mean, that happens out there all the time. You know, when your own team is running the routes and you don't get the call, you're like, I mean, just call it both ways. It's like the, the college basketball charge block call where you're just like, I mean, it's become such a disaster for game flow. And then, but then at the same time, like the other types of penalties, I mean, we mentioned it in the show later night, but Jonathan Taylor's 30 yard run that was called back. I mean, there's, there's no penalty on that play. It's like, if you're going to have a guy in a really nicely executed play, it invalidates the whole concept of running your offense well, blocking well, and having the, the running back hit the hole and gain 30 yards on a running play. If you're going to throw a phantom flag, right? And that's just it, now, instead of being, you know, on the other side of midfield in great shape, you're looking at a first and 20. I mean, it completely changes the scoring outlook of that drive, which we know based on the limited number of drives that a football game has, it completely changes the outlook for the whole game, right? So you're having, and, and we know it's not just that kind of penalty. There are lots of penalties. I mean, you look at the game a couple weeks ago with the Chiefs and the Bills, and again, it's not like the Chiefs were going to come back and win necessarily, but they had made a big stop where Josh Allen like launched himself backward, and he's going to fall back on his back because of the way he threw the pass. And the defender is out there trying to make contact with him to make sure he's down. And he gets called for like driving him to the ground, right? The thing that probably has infuriated me the most is that we've had so many examples this season where forward progress was stopped and the officials don't blow the whistle. And you're like, I mean, some of these situations where the guy's clearly moving forward and like it's a pack, it's like people aren't going to get hurt when they're in a pack moving one direction. That's fine. But if you have a quarterback who is in the grasp and his momentum has been stopped. He has nothing he can do except ground the ball or get hit again by somebody else. You, know, you have to blow the whistle. If the back has been held up and isn't down, but all he is is up there exposed for another hit, you have to blow the whistle. Because what's happening is that the defense is like, if you're not going to blow the whistle, 
then we do have to continue the tackle. And then you get called for all of these fouls where someone has tackled inappropriately, where they've tried to you know drag the guy to the ground in some way, shape, or form, or the second defender coming in hits him and gets called for unnecessary roughness. And it's like, yeah, that is unnecessary, but only because the officials didn't do the first part, which is to end the play. You can't not end the play and then penalize the defense for getting the next hit to take the guy down. It's one thing or the other. And so I just... There are so many different types of things that have been wrong. And then, you know, you go back to <laughs> these plays where there are challenges and it's like they get to watch the video <laughs> and they get the plays wrong. It's like, I mean, that's a pretty serious problem, right? When you have, and, and we talked about it on the show the other night, but, you know, there are multiple options. I mean, if you have two consecutive plays in the end zone where the guy bobbles the ball and one of them you overturn the touchdown and the other one you don't even review, <laughs> it's like, what are the standards for doing any of these things? I mean, some of the, the refereeing experts who are put in some you know difficult situations as well, but they said, you know, some of this is going to have to be subjective. It's like, yeah, there are going to be some subjective types of things, but I mean, reviewing obvious non-touchdowns isn't something that's subjective, right? I mean, you just, if a guy didn't make a catch, you review that. You don't just go kick the extra point. So it, it's very hard. I would never want to be an official. I, I watched a TED Talk recently. No, I, this I, guy. I, I was, don't envy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was saying he actually had signed up to be a soccer official, and so obviously, where you guys are, uh, you know, a football official. Are they called officials? Usually, referee, but yeah, officials is probably the right word, yeah, because you're okay, blind so, men as well. So yeah, officials. Yeah, so he's the referee, and he said he signed up for it in order to like learn how to deal with criticism and to develop kind of this understanding of you know you are kind of who you are irrespective of the feedback that you get and how you have to kind of move through those kind of things. I thought that was interesting. It's like, you know, you can probably just, uh, I don't know. It, it was an interesting talk. He did a good job. You could see that he was obviously a, a very cool gentleman and I enjoyed that. I mean, that's the mentality you have to have as an official. I, I respect their ability to get out there and deal with all the things that they're dealing with. It's, it's more like a structural thing where, I mean, we have to have better preparation somehow for these games to do a better job because, it, you know, when you have that much that people put into what's going on, and I mean, you can't really say that much at stake because it's entertainment, but, <laughs> you know, with all the work that people are doing and with all the attention that it gets, it is important to get these things right. And so I hope it improves and I think it can, but it has been frustrating. Yeah, I, I, th I think a lot of it's just the consistency. You mentioned like the standard. It, there should be a standard or a consistency. And this is the same across all different sports is like it should be if, and again, subjectivity comes into it, but if it's a file in one situation or a flag in one situation, it should be similar in the other. But we've got to the situation now where like touching the quarterback on the shoulder pad can be called for, you know, illegal hands to the face or thing. Like it's just got so out of control, it feels like this year. Um, you, you mentioned like even that one about reviewing the plays. We've seen that time and time again. I think for a mark for me this year is there's times where I have no input into it, no players involved in the game, don't care who wins or loses really. And I, like I'm getting frustrated watching some of these games being like that should not happen. So it's just a, a little bit, uh, that's our, our vent. Um, we'll, we'll leave the refs off now for the, the rest of the week's episodes. But um, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on, but it's just kind of a wrap up is you mentioned uh, one of the calls being the worst call in NFL history. I think um, 
you mentioned as well the, the weird touchdown for for Mahomes or the weird interception sorry um the interception thrown by Carson Wentz this past week may have been one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen down at his own goal line for the probably the shortest pick six in, in history maybe as well but um Carson Wentz while at times looks like he has rejuvenated himself also looks like the old Carson Wentz and in, in other situations but before we do wrap up I do want to mention um lots of good positive feedback around the Q&A shows that myself and Sean did I've got some more questions and if you are interested in sending in some questions send them my way on Twitter or via email that is at Overtime Ireland or Overtime Ireland at gmail.com there is two of them up both released the past two Sundays if you want to head back and check them out if you haven't already drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app when you're dropping a written if you haven't done so already let us know maybe a question uh, that you would like in an upcoming show or let us know what your favorite part so far and those q a's was even if you've left a review in the past if you head on over and drop a, a review now it also kind of rejigs the algorithm so if you have done one in the past but you have a spare minute or two please do drop us a new written interview on your favorite podcast app. Most of the people uh, tend to leave them on Apple Podcasts. I know a lot of people have reached out about different podcast apps don't tend to have different ways to review. But if you are on Apple Podcasts, it would be much appreciated. As always, as a loyal podcast listener as well, you can get access to all of our content and tools at rotaviz.com by using the code RVRADIO2021. That code will also get you a 10% discount and help uh, you know all the, the tools this year as always are, are fantastic the content is as good as it's ever been i would highly recommend signing up once again that code is rv radio 2021 or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information this is the tuesday edition of the rotaviz ot podcast we will have three more shows coming your way this week we have another bonus q a coming out on sunday but we do have our thursday show we will also have our saturday show as well so make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to get them once they come out my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel some of the information we talked through on today's show is from sean's early week piece up on rotaviz.com head on over and check that out and until we're back on thursday have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.